So, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke on a, um, an encounter between Jesus and a lady, a lady called Martha, that had um, taken place after Lazarus has, had died. And um, throw away comment, you know, I'll have to speak on Mary, maybe another time. Well, here's the time. This is Mary and her experience of meeting Jesus after the death of her brother, because, of course, Mary and Martha were sisters. And just to recap Martha, in case you weren't here, Martha um, and Mary, their their brother Lazarus was um, poorly. They sent a messenger to Jesus and said, um, Come, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus had delayed, and the scripture actually um, gives us the idea that the delay was deliberate. It wasn't just that he was busy doing other things, maybe he was, but the delay was deliberate. And we looked at that as though it was um, an unanswered prayer. They'd sent the messenger and Jesus had not answered. He hadn't come. And then when he did come, Lazarus had died and um, Martha went out and met him. And the conversation between them resulted for Martha in a revelation. And the revelation was that um, Jesus had said, you know, your brother will rise again. And she said, yes, at the last day, (laughs) whenever that is, sometime in the future. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And what we came to is that um, she declared her belief understanding that Jesus was the resurrection she declared her belief and for her the situation in that moment had not changed Lazarus was still dead but for Martha everything had changed She understood who Jesus was and that revelation changed her. Mary was not party to that conversation. That was just Martha and Jesus alone out on the edge of the village. So let's read Mary's conversation, which is John chapter 11 and starting at verse 28. After Martha had said this, that she believed, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she had got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to go to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Precisely the words that Martha had said, word for word. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Two sisters, same sentence, hugely different responses. Hugely. Martha goes back to the house and um, takes her aside. Get the impression that she's gone, Mary, Jesus is here, he's asking for you. But she rushes out in such a rush that actually all the discretion that Martha's put into that he's wanting to see you now, is lost. And everybody follows Mary. Martha's conversation, as far as we can tell, just her and him. Mary has an audience. (laughs) Poor Mary. She's got all these people, the mourners, watching, friends, listening, curious, what's going to happen. And they're weeping. So there's probably quite a noise going on as well. And she comes to him and she falls at his feet. It's where she was the last time we see Mary, really, actually, isn't it? She was at his feet. Martha was busy in the kitchen. Is that where she always went? To his feet, I wonder? Is this an attitude of submission? Of worship? As before? Or is this a place of pleading and desperate begging? Don't know. Doesn't say. But she says exactly, word for word, what Martha had said. If you had been here, he would not have died. As it was with Martha, we can take it as a statement of faith. Limited faith perhaps, not really fully fully understanding um, who Jesus is. But nonetheless, if you had been here, Lord, you would have made a difference. But it would have had to have been before he died. Because, of course, their understanding of Jesus was that he could heal. And now Lazarus is dead, it's too late. Jesus can heal, but dead is dead. And four days dead is definitely dead. The implicit question, as with Martha, why didn't you come sooner? Why didn't you come before? And I think it's astounding the way that Jesus then responds to Mary, which is so very different to the way that he responded to Martha. And don't you just love that because it means that he deals with me differently to how he deals with you. We're not the same, so he doesn't deal with us in the same way. He deals with us where we are. So with Martha, he took her to a place of revelation. 
with Mary, his response is an emotional one. And that's not something we see very often. The emotional life of Jesus, there are hints of it here and there, but it's not greatly written about. But this is an incident where we get a glimpse of the emotions of Jesus. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Deeply moved. I wonder what you think of when you hear those words, deeply moved. I don't suppose it's snorting like an angry horse, because that's what it means. Snorting like an angry horse. Have you ever heard an angry horse snort? (laughs) I haven't, but I can imagine what an angry horse might sound like. An indignant, indignant displeasure, actually. Not what you would necessarily have expected Jesus to reveal in terms of his own emotions. And John isn't explicit about why Jesus feels these things. Why he's angry. Is it that Lazarus has died? Maybe. But he knew that. And actually he delayed so that Lazarus had died. So why would then he be full of this indignant displeasure? Is it the fact of death itself and the grief that it causes to others? The fact that life is full of death, not just the the dying at the end of life, but all the losses that we have through life. Because it wasn't what God had intended for his creation, was it, in the beginning? the grief and pain it causes others, maybe the sense of his own death pending, and the grief that that was perhaps going to be to um, his disciples, to his friends, to his family, to his mum, and Father in heaven, the grief for them, enormous. And then that verse, two words, Jesus wept. We have Mary weeping at his feet and the mourners weeping and we have Jesus wept. And the way that they cried, hugely different. So the word for weeping that Mary was weeping, the the weeping of the mourners, loud, uncontrollable, audible weeping. Lamenting, mourning. Jesus weeping. The single solitary tear that runs down your face. That speaks of huge, deep emotion within. I wonder if the crowd misunderstood his weeping for the love of his friend. They had no idea he was staring death in the face himself. But not only was Jesus angry and weeping, he was troubled, a dis-ease, agitated, restless, the kind of trouble that strikes you with fear and dread. 
I expect you all know that kind of feeling. That fear and dread that comes upon you. Maybe again, the sense of what he is going to go through. Or maybe he was there to raise Lazarus from the dead, give glory to God. Was it going to be misunderstood again? And his time on earth, so short, that was left. But actually, I'm interested in why his response to Mary was so different. Why was it so different? Why did he not weep with Martha? Why did he weep with Mary? Actually, we don't know that Martha was weeping, but Mary was. So Jesus met her where she was, in her weeping. And that's not something that we do very often is to allow ourselves to sit, express, acknowledge our own emotions, especially difficult ones. In fact, we tend to run away from them a bit. Well, I might be speaking for myself here. (laughs) But that's true, is it not? the difficult emotions, the anger, the pain, the hurt, the grief. These are the kinds of emotions that we try and suppress on the whole, aren't they? We squeeze them out, we negate them, we feed them, we deny them. We watch box sets. Was that just me? We get busy, 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 busy so that we haven't got time to think. Because we're afraid of what's going to happen if we allow that emotion to run its course. Is it going to get out of control and consume us? And then we won't know what to do. Or even if we can pick up the pieces and carry on. And yet the truth is, emotions that we avoid, deny, suppress, squeeze out, they don't actually go away. (laughs) I don't know if you've realised that by now, they don't go away. In fact, they grow. They grow. So we have to work harder at dealing with them keeping them in. And if you read the, um, the kind of a counselling way of sitting with emotions, it's not the same as wallowing. We're not talking about wallowing, that self-indulgent um, dealing with emotions. We're talking about sitting with them in a way that can be healthy. And neither is it the same as going round and round and round with them. And I expect you all know what that's like, to replay the track over and over and over again of what's happened. He said, I said. She said, I said. They said, I said. 
He said, I said. She said, I said. They said, I said. Over and over and over. And all that does is actually um, keeps us in that place of being victim, maybe. It keeps us in the place of being angry, maybe. It keeps us in that place of, it's not fair. It's such an injustice. It's just not fair. And they're to blame. It's all their fault. And I'm just the innocent victim in this. And of course, what we do is it spirals down out of control and we become bitter. We become afraid. More afraid. If we can sit with our emotions and allow them to be acknowledged, felt. And you're not going to do this all at once, all in one go, because that would be too overwhelming. But if we can learn to do it, to understand, why am I feeling that now? What's just happened? What was said that caused me to suddenly go, what's just If we can sit with that, then the chances are that we will be able to work through the emotion, process it, to get to a place of new understanding in it. That's the purpose. Because if we can keep that sense of sitting with it, then we might just get to the place where the he said, I said, she said, I said might end up in, hmm, I've probably got a bit of responsibility in that as well. Maybe they didn't take too kindly to when I said that. Maybe I need to apologise. See, the other cycle of going round and round is just going to keep you in that it's not fair, they've done this to me. But the sitting with it allows a perspective balanced, rational, I need to apologise. I need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe there are other responses that might come. doesn't happen overnight. We have to sit with, and I wonder if that's what Jesus was doing with Mary. He sat with her in her grief and allowed her to grieve. And actually, he grieved too, with her, shared grief. In Job, there's a couple of verses, you remember all the trials that happened to Job. And in chapter 2, there's a couple of verses that say that Job's friends came and sat with him. And for a week, they said nothing. Such was the depth of what was going on for Job. They said nothing. What did they do? They sat with him. They sat with him. They got it wrong after that, as you know, because... (laughs) 
they tried too hard and they said things that were not helpful. But that week, they sat with him. Words weren't needed. And Jesus sat with Mary. It's, um, I'm not going to go down that line, but it, it tells us something about how we should respond to others' emotions, doesn't it? Don't we try and make it better? It will all be all right. We don't allow that expression so often, do we? And yet Jesus has responded to Mary and allowed her that space. We don't know how long that took. Might have been a moment or two, might have been actually quite a long time. Doesn't matter. He sat with her. And so he sits with us. It's just that most of the time we don't sit with our emotions long enough to allow Jesus space with them. When we were praying together um, in the chapel before the, um, at nine o'clock this morning, um, Veronica had a picture. And the picture was of, without knowing what I was going to speak on, and the picture was of a, um, like a puppet laying prone on the floor. And its strings were all cut. And so the puppet was not able to move. And I wonder if that's how you feel. As though your strings have been cut and you are not lifeless (laughs) because you might still be thinking and feeling, but actually inhibited, can't move. Jesus sits in that place too. So whatever you have come with this morning, Jesus can sit with you. And you know, his presence brings healing. His shalom brings healing. He doesn't need to say a word. There is healing in his presence. 